Yo, 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 Docalos. Welcome to an exclusively decadent episode of the Documenteers. The Documenteers podcast is a podcast about documentaries, and I am the main host, Bob Sham. Each week, myself and a fellow recurring documentary enthusiast discuss and judge a different documentary. And this episode marks a big first, as it is a two-in-one documentary. Long-time listeners know we bank far out, but myself and co-host Stuart got together last minute and watched the competing Fire Festival-themed documentaries that dropped last week on two of the biggest television streaming platforms out there. Everybody's buzzing, so we figured, for once, let's put in some work for some exclusive, relevant content. What can we say, folks? We're visionaries, tastemakers, influencers, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Most exclusive. Netflix was set to drop their long-awaited Christmas-directed documentary, Fire, just last Friday. The story of Billy McFarland and Ja Rule repping a high-end music festival that went completely wrong is a story that practically tells itself. Hulu, on the other hand, shocked us all when they dropped their own documentary, Fire Fraud, by directors Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason. Earlier that same week, there was only one thing Stuart and I could do. Pit fire with a Y against fire with a Y. The results just may shock you. Our regularly scheduled episode of the 1920s genre-defining silent film Nanook of the North by Robert J. Flaherty will be dropping this coming Friday instead. Stuart also hosted that one with me as well, so don't blame me if you overdose on Stuart this week. I just gave you some free Stuart. You're the one who snorted them all night, not me. Our regularly scheduled shorties episodes will continue the following Friday after this one. So two full episodes this week. But when Stuart and I get on the mic, you can call them Fool Episodes. Fool spelled F-O-O-L. <laughs> this episode is the first of its type. It's got everything, folks. Decadence, political rants, new metal references, psychological analysis made by people who are not professionals, class embitterment, Ja Rule, elegant pizza, exclusivity, at least one dog bark. We were recording in segments before and after each movie. The taste-making in this episode is overwhelming. We transition segments with brief snippets of bands that were scheduled to play the fire Festival, and maybe would have if it wasn't such a delightful mess to behold. Who deserves portions of the blame? I can see many listeners debating our conclusions in this episode. Yell at me over at DocMeterspodcast at Gmail. I really want to know what you think. I can't guarantee I'll have time to give a lengthy response, but I'll definitely read it. As I speak... I'm remembering all the things we missed in these two movies. The wireless wristbands meant to be used as currency on an island with horrible wireless reception. That shot of that dude in that weird suit that was in both movies as the bus was rolling up to some disaster tents. Fuck, how could I forget that dude who shows up around Billy after he's made bail for fraud who happens to be a friggin' senior staff member for Chuck Schumer and he looks very uncomfortable being on camera. For once... This episode might not really spoil that much as long as you already know the story, but in my opinion, I recommend watching both. It paints a bigger picture. Maybe you'll see how we saw it, maybe not. Enough of this. Let's get into our first two-in-one. Head-to-head, the big bout of 2019. Netflix's Fire by Chris Smith in one corner, and Hulu's Fire Fraud by Jennifer First and Julia willoughby Nason in the other corner. Things will never be the same again. Documenteerspodcast.com. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film, A Thousand Feet, 
16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. The actual experience exceeds all expectations and is something that's hard to put in words. All these things that may seem big and impossible are not. It gives people that type of energy, that type of I don't know if I want um, want him to go. I mean, I want to see if there's more options, but I do like Bernie. What about Elizabeth Warren? How do you feel about her? I'm going to look at her policies. I like uh, at the gist of what she's talking about at the heart of her message is like, you know, inequality. Yeah. Which is basically Bernie's message. But uh, I have to look at like kind of her past and see how much she's really. Hmm. She's been in the game a minute. She's done some good stuff for sure. She's. It, it's probably her or uh, or Bernie for me. Yeah. I noticed that everyone's trashing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez now. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, they're threatened by her. Well, she's basically a younger, more uh, youthful Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It seems like a lot of shit that people complain about her. I mean, I understand why far-right people are, I love it. are scared of her. <laughs> she's like, what about, this? <laughs> what about a 70% top marginal tax rate? Which no one understands what a top marginal tax rate is, but it's basically like at every point in your tax basis, right? So your first eleven thousand is taxed at a rate, then the next, like mm. after eleven thousand, is another rate. So she's saying like, so for people that make more than ten million dollars a year, maybe we should start taxing them at seventy percent again, which we did in the eighties, yeah, before Reagan took over, yeah, and yeah. in the fifties, <laughs> the fifties tax rate was like the highest of all, coming out the war and shit, yeah. And it was, you know, classic conservative policies back then, you know, with uh, Eisenhower and shit. Yeah, I think uh, the coming generation after uh, the boomers and, the, you know, whatever faux boomers or right after the boomers, after that generation, people are probably going to be looking more at socialist ideas. I feel like, as um, a country. well, it's just going. It's because there's no allowance. I mean, when we're told that the economy's doing good. It's being filtered through the perspective of these media companies that are owned by like millionaires and these companies are owned by corporate conglomerates. Yeah. So they're like, the economy's great, but it's for them. The yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a total disconnect. It's like how many people are invested in the stock market? I think maybe like twenty percent yeah. of the country. Yeah. In two thousand eight, when the economy crashed and wall like we did I didn't own a house then. It seemed bad around me, but my life didn't change shit because it was like exactly the same. Like, yeah. oh, everyone's freaking because they're losing money. But at that time, I didn't have shit anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of interesting to watch people freak out. But I don't know. Stuart, welcome mm. to the show. This is a very special episode. This is our first ever. We just we're totally <laughs> going 180 on the topic. We got real serious at the beginning. But yep. Cortez, they always seem to criticize these things that like is something that young people do, like dancing and shit. 
it's so bizarre. Yeah, well, hopefully there'll be no dancing in these documentaries that we're going to watch today. I bet people expected there to be dancing. Because <laughs> I'm very conservative, e- even though you just heard me ra- rally <laughs> about socialism and how I, I just, you know, it's more from a point of, uh, you know, how I see things that it's inevitably going that way. However, if I had my way, it'd be Scrooge McDuck yeah. for everyone. We'd all be Scrooge McDucks. Yeah. Swimming through money. We Our nickname for you is Stuart Goldwater. Yeah, I love that, actually. That's, yeah. That's one of the few nicknames that I like. <laughs> better than, like, motherfucker. Or... Yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely better than motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart, you were you had the flu during our Gathering of the Dockalos episode. That's right. And we missed you, but I did read the email you sent, which is weird. But Yeah, I don't recall that email. Yeah, I mean, I guess you were so medicated. I've done, I've done that kind of shit before. You know, you forget these emails. You're right. It does seem like, though, there was a lot of broken English. I know English. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I pointed that out. It was a little confusing. Maybe you should just try to send an email again. Like how you, what you wish you said. There. You want me to send you another email? Yeah, yeah. And I'll read it on a show that you're not featured on. <laughs> oh. One of the episodes you're not on. Oh, yeah. No, okay. That but makes I, sense. But I gave everyone like a super awesome gift. Uh, that I interviewed in that show. I had I spent a little time with each guest. That's very kind of you. I'm finally getting to give you this one now because we're oh. recording in 2019. Now it's time. Stuart, open up this belated holiday New Year's gift. That's very pretty wrapping paper. Being very careful so you can reuse this. It's interesting how uh, see how people approach it. I'm definitely a tear into it kind of guy. In my family, we'd always reuse the wrapping paper. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, was, I don't understand it. You, you and you and Johnny are careful unwrappers. Whoa, teen, it's something on Teen Beat. No, those are stickers. I put some stickers wow, in there. Oh, something on Teen Beat. That's great. Yeah, a, a, la- a label I we probably actually own records from. Hey, that's very thoughtful. Yeah. In the back, I'm just looking at the back now, and it's on Roadrunner. Yeah. So I'm imagining that maybe it's... Uh, Oh, it's Coal Chamber. The best of Coal Chamber. I was hoping it'd be Nickelback. Oh, Nickelback? They're on they're on a Roadrunner. Maybe maybe uh ne- this upcoming holiday season, end of the year, I'll get you a, a Nickelback. But uh you know the band Corn, right? Oh yeah. Have you ever listened to Corn and thought, I wish this band were half as good? Uh maybe not. <laughs> well, that's where Coal Chamber comes in. Oh, cool. They're like a, they're like half a corn. Half of corn? Mm-hmm. Like Literally? half a corn. And it's got a lady bass player, so that's how you know it's good. If people start wow. cr- ever criticize Cold Chamber, mm-hmm. interrupt them and say, you know they got a lady bass player, right? And they'll probably change their mind right then. Happy Documenteers anniversary. If you uh, sell that CD or get rid of it, uh, it will hurt my feelings quite a bit. Uh, okay. So you got to keep. All right. But Stuart, this is our first two-in-one episode because we have some dueling documentaries to discuss. Is this because the listeners demanded it? I've gotten no direct demand. Okay, good. But I can feel them wanting it. What is it? A couple years ago, two, what is it? Two, three years ago, a man named Billy McFarlane and a, and a rapper. Seth McFarlane's brother? We'll just, we'll assume it. Yeah. And then a rapper by the name of Ja Rule. Who had some big hits from the late 90s to the early 2000s. Is he related to Jazz z <laughs> No, I don't believe so. Uh, but Jay-Z's from Brooklyn and Ja Rule's from Queens. Apparently he's been beefing with 50 Cent 
for a, for like 20 years. Beefing. 50 Cent, uh, late last autumn, bought out 200 tickets to the Ja Rule show just to have like chunks of it look empty. Oh. Burn. That's like a popular thing now. Drake bought out the whole first row of a Kanye show one time. Ooh. Not too long ago. Burn. Rapper beef. What a great use of your money. But Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule were promoting this thing called the Fire Festival. He went off to an island that apparently used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. If you pay a, a gobs of money, you could come and party at this little music festival called the Fire Festival. And the thing about it is, it was a sham. Now, we haven't watched the movies yet. After each movie, we will discuss the movie. But at the time when this was happening, I was glued to the articles. Did you read a lot about the Fire Festival at the time? No. This thing turned out to be a big con. Really privileged people would go and find themselves on an island. Apparently, it was decorated with FEMA tents. And the caterers, there was like not much in the way of catering or shit just wasn't happening. So privileged, do you mean like royalty, like princes and princesses and duchesses and dukes? You know, it wouldn't surprise me if one or two royals were there that were connected to some royalty. But I think a lot of it was just young, wealthy millennials, of which there's not that many. Children of wealthy, privileged people. Were any of them POMO? Yeah. POMillennials? Post-millennials. <laughs> That's post-millennial. You ever listen to post-millennial? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. This is going great. But this fire festival, people got pissed. Billy McFarlane got sued. He would eventually be charged. We'll get into the details of it, of course, after we watch the movie. Yeah. But Billy McFarlane would get charged for six months, six years in jail for fraud. Oh my God. He's just trying to throw a festival. So this fire and Ja Rule's... The poor guy. And Ja Rule's like, "Uh, I don't know what's going on. A lot of these alleged acts that were booked, the few that were actually booked were like, I'm out of here. Well, Netflix announces some time ago that this whole fire festival debacle, Yeah, they're going to do a documentary about it. Nino's directing it. Uh, Our boy, Chris Smith. What? That's right. We're going to do our third Chris Smith movie. Hey, Chris Smith. Uh, our, the very first episode, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, that was our the very first Documenteers episode that was uh, with the terrible recording. That was a Chris Smith movie. And then we watched the classic American movie, which is perfect. The classic American movie, American movie. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not a Christian. I'm half and half, man. Half's uh, with the Satanist idea and half the Christian idea. It's an American movie. One of the great documentaries of all time. One of the great comedic documentaries of all time. Might be the best comedic documentary. It's a great one. Let's see what else he's got up his sleeve. So it seemed like Netflix, they had, they had a good thing going. Chris Smith, the great Chris Smith. Let's see what you got, Chris. Directing the Fire documentary. Let's see what you got. Then last Monday, as of this recording... Hulu was like, oh, yeah? Well, here. Here's a Fire Festival documentary. What? Dropped five days before Netflix was scheduled to drop theirs. What? And it was called. it's called Fire Fraud, and it's directed by Jenner First and Julia Willoughby-Nason. So Hulu surprised everyone. So now, suddenly, Hulu. it's like, a, like an internet fight between Hulu and Netflix starts to generate. Netflix is like, I see you paid Billy McFarlane for, to interview him. That guy's a dirtbag. We didn't do that. And then Hulu's like, wait, that Jer- that Jerry PR company, that ad agency that uh, 
pushed a lot of fire shit. I noticed that they're working for your documentary, Netflix. So they're going back and forth. Oh, dang. So, Stuart, we haven't Who watched these Netflix. yet. Netflix. So it's like a battle. Yeah, it's a battle. So are we going to watch watch it with like that in mind in our mm-hmm. contextual review? We are the referees. Yes. A lot of people may be weighing in, but folks, the definitive final answer on these battling documentaries is going to be decided right here. It's safe to assume, too, that uh, after our verdict, one of these streaming sites is going down. Oh, snap! Yeah, probably. It's a little scary to have this much power, but I'm kind of drunk on it at the same time. You know, we're we're, we're here at the Documenteers uh, Podcast Pod Buddies. Uh, We're... uh, we're now what you'd call influencers. Influencers. Bobby over there is going to be gramming during the whole thing. So That's right. watch for the grams and uh, I'll be tweeting. Catch me on the hashtag. Uh, fire versus fire fraud. Fire versus fire fraud. That's that. I mean, it's got to be shorter. Maybe just fire versus fire. Fight fire with fire. Fight fire with hashtag fight fire with fire. Like that Metallica song. Fight fire with fire. We got to flip a coin. So we're going to flip an actual coin. A literal coin to see which one we wa- watch first. Now, And he's got a quarter in his hand. Whatever we watch first, we'll have the luxury of framing the whole event for us. We kind of went through it, but we'll get into more details as we discuss the movie. But the last one has that last view bias to it. So that might affect it positively in that way. We'll have to see what's up. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But we'll say that Heads is uh, Fire Fraud, the Hulu one that came out first. Okay. We'll say Tails is the Chris Smith fire. Uh, All right. It looks like... It says heads. Okay. We'll watch Fire Fraud from Hulu first. All right. It seems that was a little rigged, maybe. Uh, I do promise not to put any of my previous biases aside and hold on to them. I will reserve judgment. We're Chris Smith fans, but we have to set that aside. No, I won't. I'm, I'm going to, no matter what, he's probably going to win. Yeah, probably. Anyway, let's get into it. We're going to watch our, <laughs> go watch our first one and then come right back to you. Fire Fraud by Jenner First and Julia Will, Willoughby Nason. Hey! Raindrop. Drop top. Drop top. Smoking on cooking the hot box. Cooking. Fucking on your bitch. Yeah, that, that, that. Cooking up dope in the crock pot. Pot. We came from nothing to something, nigga. Hey! I don't try nobody to grit the trick. Nobody. Call up the gang and they come and get janked. We're back. We just finished watching the Hulu Fire Festival documentary, Fire Fraud, by Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason. This isn't a a very note-heavy episode, not unlike our in-theater episodes where we don't take notes. We just kind of look. And we were riffing pretty good on this for a while. A lot of laughs. I'm not sure if some scenes were meant to be funny. It seemed like some of the scenes in this movie were naturally funny based on, because of the situation. But it also felt like that this movie wanted to be serious sometimes. Yeah. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, it had that tone. Like, especially starting off at the very beginning. But this movie features Billy McFarlane. It interviews Billy McFarlane. He's in federal prison right now. I think the kind of prison Billy goes to is not the same as where your cousin would go to if he got caught with like 200 pounds of cocaine in his trunk. Yeah, and Ja Rule's still out there. Ja Rule's still out there. Here's a tweet from him, right? You going to read some Ja Rule tweets? Yeah, this is from today at uh, 8.57. I love how people watch a doc and think they have all the answers. (laughs) 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 And then it's got the icon. Yeah. The facepalm icon. Well, you know, Ja, we can... Like, just take uh, your word from interviews and shit you've said. Well, he's, he clarifies, 
I had an amazing vision to create a festival like no other. I would never scam or fraud anyone. What sense does that make? He's on tape in this movie saying that he's a co-founder of this. I am co-founder of FIRE. Me and, my, me and my brother Billy. He was brought on as a face when Billy McFarlane started this Magnesia company, which was like some elite black credit card that he alleged had had. And it had quite a few people involved, like yeah. 5,000. But it just didn't have a lot of capital weight to back it up. This is what the Fire Festival did. He was selling exclusivity. That's what he's selling every time. He's going to different companies selling that. And sometimes he does a good job. But it's like taking money from Peter to pay Paul every single time with this guy. It does seem like Ja Rule has been a victim of Billy's fraud in well, some ways. I think Ja Rule should testify against Billy. Well, here's what he says also. and it's just uh, Hulu paid Billy. That money should have gone to the people in the Bahamas. Netflix played Fuck Jerry, who we'll get into in a moment. Yeah. Who also did all the promo for the festival. And he's got the little questioning icon and it says the docs clearly have billy at fault but let's blame the rapper i am co-founder of fire and he's laughing his ass off well ja no one's just blaming you i, I would say ja rules like fourth or fifth on the list of blame but he can certainly carry his own bit i mean obviously billy mcfarlane i just feel bad for ja rule oh leave ja rule alone could so has anyone checked on ja rule to see if ja's okay now, Billy comes up in this world of millennial exclusivity. You know, I touched base on this earlier when I was talking about how, like, when the economy is good, it's good for those who have power and wealth. Mm -hmm. So media conglomerates that, are, that own all news channels and they say the economy is good, mm -hmm. they mean it's good for them. And this has been a cultural thing that go. they mentioned, like, uh, past festivals like Woodstock and stuff. Now, Woodstock... It's always billed as a peace love, that generation of peace and love. Yeah. Now, what do the pop figure generation get? What's their festival? The you know? the little big headed. Yeah, the pop figures. I think the fire festival is probably it because they should have a pop pop figure. They should festival. have a fire festival pop figurine set. Oh, Billy McFarlane, Ja Rule, <laughs> yes, uh, all of Jerry Media, <laughs> fuck Jerry Media. You know. It's kind of like if your name of your company is Fuck Jerry, you're probably going to be assholes, right? <laughs> like the whole company. But what I was saying is the 60s and that generation sells it like this is all peace and love all the time. But mm -hmm. the people who were actually buying into that idea or that scene was very few compared to the people who were just along for the ride to get fucked up. And, and when we talk about those hippie generations, these baby boomers they're the ones that are empowering all the a lot of the corruption that we see nowadays. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are their ultimate product. Yeah. And they kind of, <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where a lot of that generational complaint really started from in modern culture, you know. It's I mean, probably, the greatest generation probably spent most of their time beating the baby boomers when they were kids. Yeah. And now they're taking it out on us. When they weren't making sure neighborhoods were good and segregated, they would they would hit their kids. <laughs> but but now we have this culture that has propped up this millennial culture. Now, we were talking about this. You were born in 80. I was born in 81. Right. And there's it depends on what list or what website or whatever in terms right. of generational divide. Right. Some, some lists say we're Gen X. Some lists say we're millennials. And I say, you know, I said that we should come up with our own name. And this is what I think. 
the buffering generation. Kind of funny because the word buffering sounds like a millennial thing to say. We're buffering. Yeah. But it but there is kind of that gray space between the transition of these generations and we do fall between that. I feel like we do have qualities of both, but we are old enough to remember when the world was not as connected as it is now. You remember that noise that the internet used to make when I was connecting? The dial up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of millennials, younger millennials, that don't really have much memory of that. They don't know the, they don't know what the hell that is. The internet <laughs> didn't come to my household till I was 17. Probably close to that for me. Yeah. So. so, but that just represents when it started to be in every household. So if you think about it, human beings as a collective or- social organism on the internet is just in its early 20s. Yeah. So we collectively have the maturity of on the internet of someone who's like 21 years old. Like it was their 21st birthday yesterday, right? Yeah. And now they're just like, we can go to the bar every night now, right? Yeah, yeah. God. But there's this measure of exclusivity. They they present this millennial culture as those who don't want to miss out, who seek exclusivity. But also we hear that millennials don't make as, they make the least of any generation. So it's kind of like the hippie shit where it's presented that this is the way millennials think. But the the reality is that the vast majority of them cannot obtain the kind of lifestyle that millennials are being defined as. It's all bullshit. It kind of has been for a very long time. Huh, it's kind of like, it's like our whole country's bullshit. Like, yeah, you can go back to the 80s, the yuppie generation. A lot of that was like hippies just putting on suits and ties, right? It's like you're drawing the case that our whole society is continually victimized by fraudsters. Yes, and hucksters. I think this film, and I'm sure both of these films, there's still something to be said. You still can accomplish things through the basis of hard work. But this movie helps show that there's really, we don't really live in a merit-based society. We live in an obsessive celebrity corporatist society. Billy McFarlane's biggest fault is that he conned rich people. Every moment of people getting fucked over, going into this island, seeing FEMA tents, getting like sweaty cheese sandwiches, having to like do mad dashes for tents with like, some didn't even have mattresses in them, being promised uh, villas and not delivering because apparently they lost a box full of keys. I took glee in all of these people getting fucked over by their own hubris and buying into Billy's hubris. We even heard stories because there was a guy who used to work for the I forget how they were connected, but one guy caught on. He worked for some kind of firm or some kind of internet. There's a lot of shit about taste making on Instagram and yeah, social media. Yeah, the fire media. fraud guy you're talking about? Yeah, the fire fraud. He had the fire fraud, fire festival fraud account. And the guy who used to work for Jerry Media, they're kind of like breaking down how all this was so unsustainable long before it actually attempted to happen. And then they're talking about how they're getting contacted by people, especially through Jerry Media, where kids were like, selling everything they had, pulling out all their college savings to go to this thing. And you can, and to me, the only person you can really feel sorry for are those, the vendors, the working people who had to go to this island and do business who thought they were going to get paid. These are the only working people on the island. And that's the real tragedy. But if you buy into this culture so much that well, you're willing to get rid of everything you own to do it. You know, what you're talking about is the sacrifice of the influencers. 
Okay. And they're giving up a lot for us because they're living the life that we'd want to live, but can't live because we're millennials and we don't have any money. I want money, but I wouldn't live this life like this if I had it. I mean, I've seen those pictures you put on Instagram of yourself with a latte. Oh, and yeah. You, you, yourself with your dog. Mm-hmm. And like, it just seems like uh, you're living the life I want to live. It's very attainable, man. But I got, I think we have an equivalent life, actually. You're kind of like an influencer to me. Well, I appreciate it. You're, you're like an influencer to me. How so? I think we share a lot of taste in certain things. We There's a lot of music we share. What they call influencer, we just call like a basic friendship, you know? Oh. So yeah, if you just change the... <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. It's actually friendship. What we have. That's what we have. Yeah. I thought you were just an influencer. Yeah. Influencing well, me. That's your the millennial half of your brain. Oh, great. The Gen X half has to apathetically remind yourself <laughs> that we're friends. Do you remember when people were cool? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we used to say that. Yeah, whatever, I guess. <laughs> Oh, I miss apathy. A uh, non-committal tone. I miss when I didn't care at all. Tons of eyeliner, dyed black hair, flannel shirts, long sleeve flannel shirts tied around your waist. Yeah, exactly. You wore all that black. Yeah. And then you'd put on the flannel and people think you're just a walking flannel t-shirt. Right. We hear a, a lady on here. I think she's one of the influencers we meet in this movie where she talks about how people with a lot of Instagram followings are heroes because they put themselves out there. I look at influencers as really brave people. They're sharing a lot of information and they're sort of taking one for the team for all of us to relate to them. Yeah, they're really putting themselves out there. They're heroes, right? It can mean a sandwich or the greatest <laughs> person imaginable, right? If if stock is measured in social media, I'm if stock <laughs> if the stock of an individual is measured in social media, then I'm a fucking termite blip i think the only the only social media i can keep up with for this podcast is an instagram account everything else i'm just like i don't even want to fucking deal with it but like way more people listen to this show every week than have follow me on instagram we're not we're not kylie jenner is what i'm or so what Kyrie you're saying Jenner. is that those friends are making fun of us as friends i guess i guess they would make fun of us even though we're laughing at them but Billy, he went after rich people. And while it was funny to watch them suffer, to watch them go on this island. You know, I mentioned this. <laughs> That's while, what we were thinking going into this, right? I mentioned this while we were watching the movie. Suffer. That to that uh, that scenario that they flow into, gravel, FEMA tents, uh, wild pigs running around. To someone who's really privileged, that's a nightmare. But if like people, like working people or poor were like all shuffled to this island, they would probably be like eating the pigs and like actually making it work. If they were like just put on this island, they probably would actually make it work in a way that these entitled shitheads just couldn't. Right. They're talking about these festivals, right? And this idea that, you know, Woodstock people are going there because they believed in the spirit of the times, you know, and then uh, other festivals like Burning Man, you know, it's all about them going into the desert and building a society and then breaking it down. Yeah, at minimum two thousand dollars. But then pop. starting with like Coachella. Yeah, which now is you a, have the idea of the festival as a money generating walk, venture. And walking into Coachella is five hundred dollars just to get in, minimum. 
And that's the modern festival condition, right? Yeah. You have these hyperinflated. It seems like a terrible idea, but yeah, there's somebody that's like, oh yeah, I have to do that. I have to do that. I can't not be there. Mm-hmm. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. That's a big theme in this documentary, right? These, now, these now are I the know. type of people that are susceptible to this type of marketing. Yeah. Now I know festival. I'm half of a millennial, but I didn't really under- know that term. Like it makes sense to me when you explain it to me, obviously I can correlate it with what's going on, but it, that wasn't something that I thought was just some. Well, thing. it plays into the idea that these people are so connected and their, their whole social um, value is based on internet, you know, value. So mm, yeah. their follows, their mentions, right. their likes. Do you think this will burst? Like that, this, that whole notion. Well, yeah, the, that this the social media, the importance laid on it. It's got to go sometime because I think it'll not burst. every popular aspect of every generation lasts forever. It's got to go away sometime. I think it'll burst when the economy drops to yeah. a certain level, which it might. But if it doesn't, I don't know that it will burst. <laughs> yeah, because it seems addictive. It is the perfect perpetual delusion for for especially our generation and our culture right now as it is it would it would just keep keep going you know and it's perpetuating uh, uh, the gilded nature of our society which is something going back to the 60s credo and how like i was saying this is like slowly building up to now and we're if like you get at a to very... a point where not everybody can afford smartphones mm-hmm. because for now what you have is that smartphones are incredibly cheap because they're mass produced in China. But at a certain Relatively. point, China will become the middle class country that it's aiming to be. And then who's going to produce the smartphones, right? Well, smartphones, unless you get a model that's a little older, uh, the scenario with smartphones is that they still cost like 1000 to 1500 a pop for brand new stuff. So most people are in this situation where they just have a phone bill and they're always perpetually paying off a phone. Yeah. Phone bills can be pretty expensive for any household. Yeah. And it's very rare that a phone is, for most people, their phone's not paid off. And before they can ever pay off that phone, they're switching it out for the brand new model. Yeah. So they're always perpetually paying for a phone. And that represents a lot of how Americans live their life, you know? Yeah. Perpetually in debt. Yeah. Perpetually huckstering. We're all hucksters. Yeah. Managing your debt. There's... There's more benefit in learning how to manage debt than making sure you have none whatsoever. Yeah. If you live a life where like, I will never spend money I don't have, meaning you don't worry about credit cards, your credit score will be shit. (laughs) Yeah. But if you have like, if you've paid off like a few credit cards and have one that's not totally paid off, but you you put a little bit more than the minimum, Uh you'll get like a much higher credit score. Man, I, I I mean I knew it while I was watching this, but it seems like there's so this this fire festival itself. I mean, we'll compare these movies when we watch the second one, but there's just so many layers of our culture here. There's so much you can pull a lot from. As far as like a lot of how this film is made, there's some things that seem a little cliche for documentaries, like when they're talking about how Billy McFarlane is a compulsive con artist. They chill like old stock footage of like old con man doing tricks yeah, it's in the got, street. You know, this is a trend kind of started with uh, the Enron documentary, if, which I don't think... I've never seen it. Well, well it's like... Uh, Smartest men in the room. Right. And it's Alex Gibney, who's the guy who also did the Scientology documentary. Oh, uh, Going Clear? And he's done a ton. Like, he, 
Enron basically won the Academy Award. Every time one of these document documentaries like wins an Academy Award, it's like massive for the documenteer that wins, mm-hmm. and they are huge influencers on the style of documentaries in a given era. So you have Michael Moore winning in 2003. Yeah. Right? And then what do we have soon after? Isn't that about where Super Size Me? Yeah, 2004 Super Size Me shows up. So that's the influence. So now this is like the influence, I think, of like an Alex Gibney style uh, of documentary because that's what he would do. It's like yeah. taking you along for the ride and you see all the the bad characters and the you know all the different types of uh, scenarios. Yeah, and the story itself is fascinating. It'll, it's definitely going to be interesting to compare the execution of the films themselves because we are Chris Smith fans. Yeah, it's interesting also because we're we're going to see this kind of version of this the next version of this documentary is mm-hmm. from characters that are portrayed as not necessarily good. Yeah. Right? F- fuck Jerry. Yeah. These these guys, the Fuck Jerry Media Group is the advertising agency behind Fire, the Netflix Chris Smith version. Right. The intimate view we have is from their perspective, maybe. Mm-hmm. Hulu has been criticizing Netflix for hiring Fuck Jerry, and Netflix has been criticizing Hulu for hire, for paying Billy McFarlane for an interview. Billy McFarlane blinks a lot in this movie. This is a blinking fool. It's and- clear to me that this guy is totally, totally just unrepentant, at least a sociopath, perhaps a psychopath. For all people involved, apparently Billy meets no remorse bartender in the Bahamas. He's got no remorse. Right? No remorse. Yeah. He meets his bartender in the Bahamas and he starts talking about this idea, which I don't know if he talked about it with Ja Rule because he and Ja Rule hooked up when he was doing Magnesia, which yeah. was. He's had a series of fraudulent companies and yeah. now he's needs more money to pay off the last scheme he had. And he, and he thinks, oh, you know, this Bahamas area could be perfect for a festival with Ja Rule, my good friend. Yeah. Who he's already brought in for advertising for magnesium. Is that what it is? Magnesium. Magnesia, magnesium. Like a black card. I always thought it was magnesium. Well, this bartender, we see him throughout this film, and he's kind of the guy that he's No, it's Magnesis. Magnesis. That's it. <laughs> now I remember. I don't know how hired he is through Billy, but he seems to be in this advisory almost position. But his advice is constantly ignored because He's giving rational Did you responses. catch what uh, they said in the documentary Ma- Magnesis uh, breaks down to? Magnum penis. Oh, right. Magnesis. <laughs> <laughs> but this bartender's like, look, this isn't going to work. At one point, he talks about how they had this idea and said it was going to happen in six months. An island with very little to no infrastructure at all. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And then later we got even more uh, evidence backing this up where they're like, and oh, also on that day that you're booking your festival happens to be the biggest national holiday in the Bahamas. So right. no one will want to work yeah. <laughs> at all. In these areas, it's like Puerto Rico, Jamaica, the Bahamas. These are the places that people go to. Right. I know when we know people who go there and come back, they're often like white people on vacation, you know, and they go there and come back. And it's like they talk about the life of being here, but it's not. You're getting like this col- colonial right. filter. Exactly. It's a total colonial situation like that almost. There's, they are so good at segregating yeah. the immense poverty in these places, directing you like cattle 
to the flashy things. Here's the the casinos over here. The resort is over here. Don't go three miles that way. Well, like in Puerto Rico, after the after that devastating hurricane, it's a, like chunks of cities are getting like gentrified, like condos and shit villas are being like sold. So I mean, Puerto Rico always kind of had that, like many other places in the Caribbean do. But, like, it's becoming even worse. You're talking about people who were just completely fucking wrecked. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. Look at New Orleans. Yeah. Same thing happened there. Still happening. It's uh, the disaster economy. And It's just, like, you got to look to these places to truly understand what what we're doing is unsustainable and what's going to happen. You know, I've I've said this before on this show. The quickest way to a full-on communist system is capitalism being allowed to do whatever it wants yeah because it can't sustain you have to patch it up with socialist policies if you're going to have like some great economy it can't just benefit those who own right we're, the, we're either going, we're going there's two options actually you know there's like they go we go towards that more socialist social dem- democratic system or we go more towards on a authoritarian authoritarian capitalist system yeah it which is be a like, fear that a, a lot of people have about right where we're going right now with our current administration like russia where it's like ran by an oligarchy right or china yeah, and you still where, have no rights yeah or yeah both yeah. Of these countries where it's like you will be economically well as a citizen but don't interfere in politics yeah at all Ca- yeah places like china we literally the worst of both we run worlds. this yeah yeah where china where they just now are like rounding up millions of people into internment camps basically yeah. to retrain people yeah in how they should think yeah wow oh man i suddenly got depressed oh sorry but you know that's i mean but we're talking about the fire festival if billy mcfarland had ran a scheme where he took like a grand from like working people he could probably still be doing that scam right now do you remember the ad for the fire festival that they come up with oh where they on your social media feed is just like blank orange yeah blank orange which is pretty ingenious i mean Fuck Jerry, they're very smart. They're they're like about utilizing meme culture to get your attention. And that would work. And they paid a bunch of influencers and celebrities to all place this image on their feed. Mm. So suddenly all these people that followed these type of vapid celebrities yeah. would then see the bright orange and it would just say fire festival. And they'd just be like, what is this? Why is Kylie Jenner retweeting this? Yeah. Oh my God. I have to know more. You know, I want the bubble on all this shit to burst. I don't care if social media collapses. What we've built on the documentaries may be dwarfed compared to what these people put out. But what we do have is like sincere, like people who tune in. It's not superficial. The people we have are legitimately listening to our show. It's not like a lot of people coming and going. It's like it's a set amount, but everyone actually listens to the fucking show. But like this Kylie Jenner world. Like when it's that broad, it's like people are coming in and out all the time. How do you know what's even sincere when you're dealing with things at that level? If that makes any sense. But if Billy yeah. McFarland ran a scheme where you're screwing over people who weren't so rich, people who have to honestly weigh it in their heads financially, whether they can afford somebody, afford a lawyer to sue somebody, this guy could still be doing this scheme now. But as funny as it is to watch uh, privileged people get angry at having to sleep in a tent in a monsoon, they do have the resources to come back at this dude hard. And they did for a, at a cost of $100 million. Oh, snap.
And a lot of it's just the firms that he like <laughs> lied to. Yep. And it's not just him. It's fuck Jerry and Ja Rule. Yeah. They're also plaintiffs. Yeah, they're defendants, defendants in the case. Defendants. And this dude named Grant who was hired on during the Magnesio or whatever oh, the fuck Grant. that shit's. All the Grant bits are pretty fun. There's so many people in here. You never see Grant, but you just get him. Yeah. He just becomes the impromptu uh, kind of uh, when, de facto when villain. When I'm talking about no value, there's really no true merit-based society. It's all a privilege first, and then after that, you're lucky. Do you remember how people describe working at the for for uh, <laughs> for uh, for Grant and uh, magnesium, magnesium, magnesius. No, uh, Magnesis. Magnesis. Right. Just remember Magnum Penis. Magnum Penis. Magnesis. <laughs> Magnum Penis. This Grant, I've never so much around this guy, and like right, they say he's like Dwight Dwight uh, Dwight Strude, and uh, yeah, they compared him to Dwight Schrute. He's the Dwight Schrute to Billy's Michael Scott. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, it's like. They t everything they reference to this guy is him like saying things that mean nothing, <laughs> but everyone's putting on an air of importance. Yeah. Oh, they talk about how Billy, the bartender dude who worked with Billy, who was actually, I think, from the Bahamas or from the islands, said he ordered $2 million in booze, but the taxes <laughs> on it are something at like 45%, which means you ordered $2 million in booze. You're going to have to pay like 900 K in taxes. <laughs> it seemed like if he just early on, when people started fi finding out about the fire festival, if he just was like, we're going to have to push this back two years, he actually probably could have done something that worked, you know, but he just kept going. He just doubled down, tripled down. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm just reading some headlines here. Yeah. And this documentary it's already raised $90,000 for a caterer that was unpaid at the fire festival. Okay. So uh, those cheese sandwiches that everyone was getting for? Yeah. That guy's getting paid. I mean, that looked like a tasty cheese sandwich. It looked a little sweaty. I'm hoping when we go to this uh, uh, fancy dinner that you have set up for oh, us yeah, after yeah. this we'll documentary, that, very soon. that we can get uh, some something close to that. I want the catering level of an idealized version of the fire festival for this uh <laughs> For this uh, outing, you've you've uh, reserved for us and booked, and I'm hoping it's something similar because um, Bobby's already asked me to contribute a significant amount of money uh, to the festivities. That yeah, you bought my black card, right? Mm -hmm. But I did stake well a fair amount of money for me. So I mean, <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's you know I'm not going to mention I don't I don't want to mention numbers. I think it's kind of gauche to you know be kind of that kind of a braggart. I'm not like that. The subject of this documentary. I'm a humble man. I have means, though, and I will just say that most of my means have now gone to uh, whatever this event is that yeah. you have booked, and I hope I hope it's good. And I'm excited. Uh, he said there's going to be some entertainment as well. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm going to hire Fuck Jerry. What to promote? Why would you this podcast? Oh, you are probably. Wow. I wonder if I can afford him. No, I can't. Even after they get sued, I bet I can't afford. Them. Maybe you can after they get sued. Ja Rule wants to separate himself from this as much as possible, but he's all... There's one point where... And he says this twice on film. One of the funnier parts of the film, and I wrote it down here. One of the few things I wrote down when uh, talking about this fire festival, he's like... Here's to living like movie stars. Here's to living like movie stars. Partying like rock stars. Partying like rock stars. Oh. 
Billy. And fucking like porn stars. And fucking like porn stars. <laughs> Let's fuck like porn stars. Right, you mean joylessly and endlessly? Yeah. With your asshole completely blown out. But you're right. Before we get to this next movie, we're going to have to go get an exclusive lunch, Stuart. And I've got something a little high end in mind. Bobby said it was one of uh, Nashville. Is that the town we're in tonight? That is the town we're in. Nashville's most exclusive engagement. And I'm excited. I'm going to be telling all my influencers about this. I'm going to, it's going to be in story. You're going to be able to see every moment of the festivities. You're going to be living like Emerald Lagasse, partying like Rachel Ray, and you'll be fucking like Alton Brown. Whoa. Are you ready? Well, we're going to go get to this exclusive dinner that we'll come back after we've watched Fire by Chris Smith. All right, so here I'm here with Bob Sham. Say hello. Hey, you ready for uh, for a lavish uh, lifestyle? This is your boy Stuart Vaughn. I'm ready for my exclusive. Pod Buddies Festival. I'm very excited. Um, it's all expenses paid. Well, I paid all the expenses earlier, but it was a hefty amount. But uh, you're going to see some amazing, amazing stuff. You're going to hear some of the amazing foods we'll be eating. You're going to uh, feel you're... as rich as the flavors you're going to put in your mouth. We're taking you with us. You're going to get a little of our bling in your uh, ping or whatever. I don't know. Is that internet talk? Yeah, ping. You're going to bing our bling. Yeah. When you bing our bling, you'll sing. Okay. It's, uh, it's going to ping when you bling. All right. When you bing our bling. All right. Well, well check us out on story mode and, uh, you know, follow us on YouTube. We'll be we'll be back soon. Most exclusive. Yo, 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 yo. It's your boy, Stuart Vaughn. I'm up in this piece. Yo, 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 hashtag. We're getting closer. I hope you're feeling elite today. I hope you like models. Yo, that's my chauffeur, Bobby Sham. He's taking us on an all-expenses paid voyage. We are going to Nashville's most exclusive eatery. We're going to meet all the chefs. We're going to get personalized menu items. For ourselves, uh, signature dishes, some of the specials. We're gonna be uh, hanging with some of the uh, glitterati of Nashville. Glitterati, baby. I'm hoping to see some country music stars, cause you know that's why I came here. And uh, I heard uh, Alan Jackson's gonna be here. I am a huge Chattahoochee fan, so that is very good for me. Way down yonder, you know, I know all them songs. That he sang. Uh, We're gonna go way down yonder to old new pa- tax bracket because you're gonna feel like a fucking baller with every bite you take in this exclusive restaurant. Yo, y'all, I am so excited. Hashtag y'all excited. Most exclusive. Yo, yo, I'm back. We're in, ex- in an exclusive part of town right now called 
Madison. <laughs> and I've never been here before, but welcome to it. Welcome to Madison. Woo! Most exclusive. Yo, yo, uh, I guess. All right, the, we're about here. I guess the valet we're, we're coming up, called out. We're coming up on the most bitchin' ass restaurant no, in I, all of Ville. It's designed. CC's Beyond Pizza. It's designed like this so that people don't know how exclusive it is. Oh. All right, see y'all inside. Most exclusive. Oh, yeah, we are here with CC's Pizza. I'm eating a. Very elegant salad, mushrooms, a little uh, pasta salad, equally elegant, alongside it. The music here is pretty slamming. Modern hits, just like the kids want. Played over the speaker. Not very many people here, that's just how exclusive this is. Uh, Stuart requested a mac and cheese pizza. You can do that here at CC's. I don't know if there's CC's all over the country, but it's probably so exclusive. That's only here in Madison, Tennessee, the land where dreams come true. Stuart, tell us what you're eating. Carrots. Eating carrots? Elegant carrots. Baby. Oh, you got baby ones. Yeah. Baby ones are more expensive than uh, full grown. Most people don't know that. I got a, I mean some breadsticks. I'm assuming these are French cheeses. And a, a veggie supreme. Looks like a deep dish. They probably flew in these ingredients from Chicago. Most exclusive. I could tell by the look on your face that you're impressed. Oh yeah. Worth every penny. Worth it all. Now, I don't know how many rounds I'm going to go. I got my eye on some dessert slices. Pretty sure that's real Dutch chocolate up there. Over at the table behind us, it's Brett Eldridge, oh, yeah. country legend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I see Dirks Bentley is over by the soda machine. Yep, you're right. And over next to him, that's Darius Drucker. Shit. Jason Aldean's trying to win a phone case. In I think I see one of the Fleet Foxes over there, too. Oh, hell. And is that Father John Misty? <laughs> nope, it's just some guy. Whoa, over by the gumballs and where that soda's uh, been dropped on the floor? That's like every Avid brother over there. Oh my God. Yeah. That's all to say that Nashville is like our own personal fire festival. Yeah. Everyone move here. Hashtag move to Nashville. Hashtag move to Nashville. Fire. Hashtag fire Nashville. Hire, hashtag hire fire and rehire and then fire Nashville. Oh my God. Shania Twain just walked in. Oh, she waved at me. Oh, dude. She's going for the caramel pizza. Yeah. Faith Hill. Faith Hill on your 20. Faith Hill. Tim McGraw, Faith Hill. She's literally got a plate of cocaine in front of her. Yeah, you can get cocaine pizza here. You can get cocaine pizza. That's easy. Most exclusive. All right. It's uh, your boy. Man, I just went back from the bathroom, and Blake Shelton took a bite out of every slice of apple pizza 
That motherfucker just plays too much. Oh. I'm so full of exclusivity. Folks, live live life large at the nearest CC Pizza. If you want to, if you want to taste what it's like on Fire Island, yeah, the Fire Festival in the Bahamas, then I suggest you go to a CC's Pizza and stand really close to the fluorescent light bulbs. Yeah, the only difference is that at a CC's the employees get paid. But other than that, it's exactly the same thing. Case closed. And uh, we're going to go back. We're going to watch the Chris Smith one. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. come back. We're back. Belly full of CCs. Just finished watching the Chris Smith Netflix Fire. I feel like just like uh, I don't know, like surreal. Surreal. I'm really glad that we watched both of these because I feel like you to combine them, you get a full picture of them, and one is revelatory about the other. And I think if you put certain elements and combine them, you have. At least a minimum. If these were combined, the best elements of both were combined into one. I think you've got a minimum eight out of ten Herzog movie. But I have a feeling, to be honest, that I don't mean to speak for you. That we're not going to be going too high on either of these, really. Mm, Safe to say you're right. I think they both have good things about them. But I think there's this is a story that tells itself. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we give documentaries a lot of credit. For, for telling stories that can tell themselves. And we've probably done that in the past on this show, but yeah. we're in a whole new year. We're getting a little smarter with it. We're still kind of stupid, but we're starting to get a little more analytical at the same time. The curtain is down. The curtain here is at the down. documenteers. That's no right. longer are we, are we hiding ourselves. So we watched the Chris Smith fire. No one paid Billy to speak in this one. So Billy is spoken to by other people. We get a lot more. However, yeah. We get a lot of footage of Billy. We get a lot of one. footage we didn't see in the Hulu one. More candid, kind of off, not not scripted. Yeah. Responsive in an interview. Form. Like behind the scenes stuff. Now in Fire Fraud, I don't, I think we forgot to mention this, but Billy, the fire thing was originally supposed to be centered around an app. And a lot of that stuff with the models promoting the fire festival was really supposed to be a vehicle that leads to promoting an app. But the fire Festival exploded. But that's what happens when you pay models a lot of money who have millions of followers. They just will blow up. And the Hulu one presented it like that was a revelation. It came in like three-fourths of the way through the movie, where it's like, oh, and by the way, this is all truly to promote a fire app where people can directly book uh, musicians and acts. But the Netflix version tells you straight off that this was initially supposed to be an app. And it does that because they interviewed a lot of people who were working on, like on the design right. team. Right, they interviewed a lot of people at the startup, the fire startup. And these are, one one thing I will compliment the Netflix one on is, I mean, the editing is better technically than the Hulu one because we pointed out some of the transitions that we don't like that's a little generic in documentaries. Like, But Chris Smith, he's a pro and he knows how to, 
paste something and edit something that at least kind of maintains an interest that doesn't look too tacky. Or the best thing about the Netflix one is that it has a lot more focus on the workers who are involved in the Hulu one. Mm-hmm. There's a lady in there who is who is really broken up. And I think there's like a, a GoFundMe for this lady now where they've raised like a, an amount of money to actually pay this woman. This does focus more on that. But the thing that I have a problem with the Netflix one is what is excluded yeah. in, in this Netflix one. Because and, they're coming at it from this place as they're working with the team directly yeah. that was behind the marketing campaign of the fire festival. Right. And otherwise they wouldn't have had the footage that they have. Right. So it's probably in the contract for the film. Like, you know, you can't put us in this light. That's right. It's a face saving documentary in a lot of ways for the marketing team. And we're talking about Jerry media. Yeah. Fuck Jerry media. Fuck Jerry or what they call themselves in the Netflix documentary. Jerry media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and now in the Hulu one, there's an ex-Jerry employee yeah. that explains exactly how they were kind of complicit in a lot of this. But Shade was thrown down in the Hulu documentary at this documentary. Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of great. But Jerry Media is shown, they're presented in a way that's a lot more vague. They're presented in a way where they're just as surprised at the outcome of this right. as everyone else. That's bullshit. Right. Because they're in these CCs of, they knew what was going on at every point. I think the really what was going on is that, and this this is this is even divulged in the Netflix documentary. Their real motivation for staying in fire for so long was because they weren't going to get paid until the end. Yeah, and they were hoping to get paid. Yeah, they wanted they're the not, money. They're not a huge company, like, and they're not a huge celebrity, and they're not a band that has other op- options. They had probably invested a lot of time and effort in this media promotion they are from pretty, the beginning of the festival they are a decently large media promotion company but the fact that they are involved in the promotion of the netflix one compromises that a big deal netflix picks on hulu for hiring billy mcfarlane for an interview but no, they don't do it in the documentary they did they did it no, outside yeah. no this is to the side we're talking about the yeah, criticism yeah. that they're yeah. throwing at each other billy mcfarlane has to pay millions of dollars out to people go ahead and pay him because he can't hold on to that money. He's yeah. got to go pay out. Exactly. It actually doesn't matter that who it's actually smart that Hulu does that because honestly, Billy, any money you pay him is going to be seized by the state. Billy to me at this point, doesn't even look that bad in the Netflix one until three fourths of the way through. When you start going to the end of it, we'll get more into that. But Billy looks worse being in the Hulu documentary, watching this dude blink and his eyes dart around and him not answering questions of, not answering things that everyone already fucking knows the answers to. Yeah. Now in the Netflix documentary, we hear him like polluting and doing yeah. all the stuff behind the scenes. That's clearly fraud. And he's just there. He's even, even what's the point where he's even like directing the supermodels and the yeah. promo for the fire. This is just festival. the promo. He's like, okay, we're, we're, we're trying to sell something to some average schlubs. We're selling a pipe dream. We're selling a pipe dream to fucking we're trying to sell bullshit to like average schlubs in the middle of America. He admits it on camera We're selling a pipe dream. to the models that he's with. Yeah. And someone quit. And in the Netflix one, there's a lot of uh, issues of accountability and they talk about going after the models and shit like that, but they don't talk about holding Jerry media accountable. If you're going to throw up the question, should we hold the models accountable? Which I think we should because there's 
tape of them being told that this is a fucking scam. We're selling a pipe dream. Him literally telling them, yeah. but, but they're models. They don't care. It's like, oh, they're just going to pay us some fucking money and we'll go. I don't think they should get all the brunt of it, but they have power and they have gravitas. And that question of accountability, I think, is a fine thing to do. But the Netflix leaves out if the models are somewhat responsible, if that question is going to be brought up, well, the models aren't as responsible as Jerry Media. Right. And this is also co-produced by Vice Media, the Netflix version. All right. Now, Vice, there's a lot of angles you can go at with Vice. All right. They've got the, they've got their own TV channel. They've got, they do have some informative news shit out there. Uh, here's the thing about Vice. It was co-founded by Gavin McGinnis. Do you know that name? Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's a Canadian asshole. He broke off from Vice and started a neo-nazi hate group yeah called the proud boys which is these uh which is a, a, a he's got a small army of incel twats that refuse to masturbate and get upset when you call them racist and then go on forums and say like really racist anti-immigrant shit they've got uh factions here in town too and that doesn't surprise me i mean nashville's a metropolitan city there's there's a little bit of uh, everywhere in the country in this city nowadays. Also, it, re- it came out not too long ago that Vice uh, Media, there's this rule of, I forget the name of the guy who's left, who's one of the co, I forget his name off the top of my head, but they have this rule of 2022. 20, yeah. This is their rule. The rule of 22 is you only hire 22 year olds. You work them 20, <laughs> you work them 22 hours a day and you only pay them $22,000 a year. <laughs> and it functions like a glorified internship there's a lot of advice documentaries out there we might get to some in the future but essentially it's an internship but when you're thinking about how dangerous vice goes into some dangerous places when they go into their legit news which you can't credit them for having some actual news especially compared to this shit show age of 24-hour news media and the fact that anybody would go into another country and get fucking killed and they're not even getting paid however much we're getting paid at our day jobs. It's it's like, what the fuck? Also, Vice is co-owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News. So that's important to know. I would encourage anyone to make their own decision about Vice. Like I said, I don't think they do. I think they do sometimes do some good things. But I think if you look in the whole breadth of what they're doing, they're leaning into this culture of exclusivity that people like Billy McFarlane tried to push with this fire festival thing. What comes out of your mouth is all the nice socially liberal things that people want to hear. But at the, at the same time, what you're doing behind the scenes is typical Uber far right capitalist bullshit. And I think vice is worthy of that criticism. I do watch that two change show where he like looks at very expensive things. So vice can have a good message sometimes, but I wouldn't consider it a for the people kind of outlet. But Jerry Media has promoted this Netflix one. It's on this side. And uh, Jerry Media, eh, it doesn't take a lot of accountability in the Netflix one. And it kind of acts like it didn't know as much as it claims it knows. They almost paint Billy as a sort of a (laughs) pitiable character. They're like, yeah, he's not so bad. There's this dude, I forget his name. He's a big investor. And he told this story about how he was literally going to go suck some dude's dick to get Avion water out of customs. He's not invested. That was the paid uh, producer for the festival. Oh, right. Yeah, this guy. If you will go down and suck Cunningham's dick, who's the head of customs, and get him to clear 
all of the containers with water, you will save this festival. And I literally drove home, took a shower, I, I, I drank some mouthwash. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really, and I got into my car to drive across the island to take one for the team. And I got to his office fully prepared to suck his dick. But yeah, and this dude almost seemed apologetic to Billy. We hear this a couple of times in both of these documentaries where like, he's a good entrepreneur. I don't know as much in the Hulu documentary. He's not a good the entrepreneur. The Hulu documentary was a way more critical. I mean, they bring up, uh, what's the guy, the Chesapeake energy guy? Yeah. They, they don't even bring that up. That's true. His main investor is this guy. This dude is like, oh, Billy's a great entrepreneur. It's like, no, he's not. Rich people get credit for concepts that broke people don't get credit for. And a concept, you can lay down on your fucking couch and have a concept. Whenever people come up to me with an idea, the first thing I ask them is, have you written it down at the very least? And if you haven't, it doesn't exist. But the people who get their fucking balls kissed for just having a fucking idea, privilege people like Billy McFarlane. And no, he's not a good entrepreneur. Look, a sociopath is really good at being nice to people, but they're sociopaths. You know what that means? It means they're not really nice. I wish he did suck that dude's dick. I think towards the end of the Netflix one, Billy starts getting more focused in as a villain. But for three-fourths of the movie, he almost, you could almost interpret it like, an, like a Robin Hood scenario where he's just tricking people with a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to think about anything. Because the Hulu documentary, it's like escalatingly escalating just more and more and more and more into the situation where it's like Billy just seems like the worst mastermind criminal yeah. of all time. And you got him peppered in throughout the movie eyes darting around blinking all the time not looking good at all he's not really man he's not successfully managing his presence in the film and it's just interesting how a lack a direct lack of billy and a billy only existing in random footage he actually doesn't look as bad as he does when he's present yeah if you're watching this netflix documentary you might think just what we already thought you know that oh it's like a bunch of overly privileged people got some money taken from them and you know yeah boohoo but yeah ultimately the netflix one seems more sympathetic to those who got took than the hulu one yeah the the okay the the people most portrayed sympathetically are the people behind the scenes yeah right as it should be really well uh (laughs) i mean some of these dudes got i mean look they might have some backgrounds but Look, I've worked in a lot of I've worked I've worked in some companies that are just totally terrible, but I quit those jobs. Yeah. This is just the story of people that had those jobs and then didn't quit. And not only did they not quit, they were like, no problem, Billy. I'll go ahead and charge this and let you pay me back later. Yeah. A bunch of them were taken by Billy in such a way. That they put what hundred thousand or more on yeah. their credit cards, one dude, on their d- personal credit cards. One dude we talked to a lot who was on the design team for the app talked about how he's one hundred fifty k in debt on an American Express card, and a number of people. And that you got to you got to pay off an American Express balance by the end of the month, and this dude's one hundred fifty deep. Wow. And uh, but Netflix did have a lot of the footage that we did not see. And the Hulu one. And one thing that Netflix focuses on, obviously we go through the whole fire festival event, the jaw rules saying the living like movie stars. Is to living like movie stars. Partying like rock stars. Partying like rock stars. Fucking like porn stars. Billy. And fucking like porn stars. The Netflix one we show that Santa Claus was at that party. 
apparently. Apparently. When I saw Santa was at that party, I was like, well, maybe Billy, <laughs> maybe Billy is pretty good at this shit. Well, he must, maybe he's not such a bad guy. That's what the Netflix documentary said. Look, Santa came to his party. Santa showed up. You know, you think he'd come to someone who is not on a naughty list party? I don't think so. I heard Ja Rule fuck Santa like a porn star. Come on and get a piece of this late night lover, you know. Look, I mean, uh, you know, we just have to assume, like, if we were just watching the Netflix documentary, you might think that this Billy guy wasn't so bad. Yeah, he's kind of just burning these richers, right? Yeah, you know, he, he's he's just taking it taking it one for uh for for the blue collars. You know, he, he's like a modern day Trump, a Trumpian figure. Yeah, pretty much, millennial Trump. Millennial Trump, that's Billy. I could see Billy running for president. I mean, he can't run for a corporation anymore because he's in jail. Yeah. He's, he cannot be the president of a corporation. Right. But I don't think technically he can't run for president. You mean taking a corporation would exclude you from being president? I don't think it would. Yeah, I mean, country is technically not a uh, corporation. Well, we have a guy in the White House that proves that you can still be president and, and like fucking... And be a massive criminal. Yeah. Be a total fraudster, massive bankruptor. Now, by the end of the Netflix documentary, I think it does focus in on villainizing Billy a little more, but it took most of the movie to truly do it. The Hulu one touches on this briefly. We forgot to mention it, but the Netflix one focuses on what Billy is doing after he makes bail. After getting on these charges, he gets charged, he makes bail, and what does he do? He gets this guy named Frank Tribble to go on the fire email list and start courting people and trying to sell tickets to like the Met Gala like events that you need like an invite only, like need to be on a guest list, and and they're and they're sending out emails claiming that you, they can get them like two hundred fifty dollar tickets and shit. It was funneled through this dude named Frank Tribble. Now Netflix felt the need to blur out Frank Tribble's like email domain, but the Hulu one, when they show pictures of the email, they don't bother to blur it out. I'm not sure what the rationale is for the Netflix one. I mean, it just seems like a big fraud scheme, so who cares why why you would ever blur it out, but Netflix felt the need to. Billy is literally scripting Frank Tribble and how to do this, so he's on bail, awaiting to go to court, where he's going to end up getting charged for six years for fraud, for a mess of things, and this dude is, like, filtering. He's helping. It's, it's like, why are, why are, at this point, we should all know better. Hell, I would know better. Why? Why? Why, Frank Tribble? Are you an idiot? Are you a privileged idiot too? I I probably would assume that you know most influencers don't know who they're influencing. They just influence. These are the actions of people who can fuck up and suffer no consequences. Because the average Joe, if they fuck up this kind of shit, they're done. They're buried. And they're lucky to get like a single bedroom apartment in the bad side of town after this shit. I mean, unless you're the kingpin. They, none of these guys even got jail time. It's like they're Except, all. Uh, it's like they're all kingpins' kids. Yeah, like uh, our buddy uh, Grant. He only ended up paying thirty-five thousand in charges for his part in this. Yeah, that doesn't seem. And he didn't even have to plead guilty. Yeah, he just basically paid a fine. Grant seemed to get off fairly easily. He might be involved in that big class action lawsuit, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm so. sure it's not over for Grant. Is it me or did Billy and Grant look fatter in the Netflix one? than they did in the Hulu one. They did look a lot fatter. I don't mean to fat shame. I'm a big person. I'm a th I'm a juicy, thick man. Well, you saw... I th Here's what I think. And I, if you're watching the Hulu documentary, we kind of 
watched things before mm-hmm. and watched his career building. We watched Billy's career building. Yeah. And then when he got to Fire Island, you remember there was that kind of selfie he took? Yeah. And that was in there. And he just looked bloated and just like. Yeah. Looked like he got stung by a bee. Because I think once fire started getting closer and closer, everybody involved just to say, fuck it. We're not making it out alive. And they just, <laughs> like, we got all this alcohol. We bought $2 million worth of alcohol. Let's start drinking it. A tax at $900,000. Yeah, they'd already paid for it at that point, though. You know, <laughs> all they're eating was cheese sandwiches. I'm sure it was just bloat from alcohol. There's no way around it. It's how you. Neither piece... of these films are great. That's true. They both have problems. They both have issues. Would you recommend people watch them though? Because I do. I mean, I think they should watch both. Your this is coming from your perspective as someone who is obsessed with this story. I am obsessed with this story. I was not obsessed with the story. <laughs> Come on, man. This story is too good. I mean, at this point, you know, I know everything there is to know about the story. But I mean, granted, I, at the time, I didn't care that much. I was like, yeah, Ja Rule is, is a jerk, of course. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Oh, Ja Rule is trying to start an app called Icon. Yeah, that was, he hasn't learned his lesson yet. That is, that is attempting to do what the Fire app was supposed to do. Well, hopefully the guy he gets involved with with Icon is not a fraudster. It's also important to note that Jerry Media is a part of is a defendant in lawsuits regarding the fire festival not pointed out Ooh. in the netflix documentary i think well i'm sure if you're in an active lawsuit you want to try and avoid playing down any kind of evidence to the opposition play, right playing down the fuck jerry media role is a lot more egregious than paying billy mcfarland for an interview i would say so that's for the netflix one that's a big fucking hole the big hole is the yeah exactly we're given this kind of rose-tinted view of fire festival from the beginning we kind of start with this footage that's like real glitzy of the supermodels on the beach and then we kind of keep going back to that footage over and over again yeah and they're really trying to hammer it home that like isn't this a beautiful vision and i'm like no i never thought this was beautiful i always thought this was kind of like a conceited idea of a festival and to begin with, festivals are pretty conceited yeah. and mostly terrible. I mean, so, we're not that far from Manchester. Do you go to Book and Bonnaroo? I don't go to Bonnaroo. That's, that's one of the more Bonnaroo. affordable ones. It's like, no, no I don't I'm, want to go anywhere near that bullshit. Your idea, and the idea of a festival isn't really about the music. It's about being at the festival with people that What's that millennium, are at the festival. That millennium slogan, fear of missing, fear of out. missing out. Yeah, but you know, I've been to a festival once, but it was like, you know, you don't, you can't experience the music because there's so many people there. You just can't. Yeah. You can't enjoy it. Well, you and I went to like a garage rock festival like 10 years ago. Yeah. Where it was like split out between these venues. It was like multiple smaller venues. There's no way you could have seen every band. No. If you wanted to. But the musical, the the scenes did feel a little more personal. It's not. It wasn't like yeah, a giant. Yeah, that was different because it was in like venues. Yeah, this is like we're talking about something. We're not talking fire about fire festival, Coachella. You're all out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. From. Also, also, these are like indie bands, not top forty bands and shit. Right, you know? the one we went to, yeah, and it was free. Oh, that's right. It was totally free. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Scion. 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 I still got the socks socks yeah i mow the lawn in them they're my lawn mowing socks well that's great thanks Sion. it's your own personal fire festival another thing i think we forgot <laughs> to point this i think we forgot to point this out in the first one yeah when a lot of the uh fire festival fraud accounts started gaining momentum 
and a lot of criticisms were starting to come in on the social media accounts that a lot of criticisms were being systematically removed. Yeah, right. That's Jerry Media. Yeah. That's Jerry Media. Yeah, and we don't get into that. That passes right over in the Netflix one. That is huge. That And it also proves that Jerry Media, look, Jerry Media just wants to collect a check. They don't give a fuck if the fire Festival goes off or not. They want that money. I mean, they're if you really want to see, it's like exhibit one for the defense. Whenever the whenever the case comes out, it'll be this documentary. They're yeah. like, look, we were just we were just working for this company. Can yeah. you really blame us? Can you really start suing influencers as they're trying to do? And then that that now we're gonna probably see happen, right? They're gonna that's gonna be decided in a court of law. And where it goes to now, I don't know. But yeah. it could be interesting down the road. I don't know. Yeah. Should influencers be forced to say we're advertising for this restaurant? We're advertising for this. Yes. I think so. I yeah. think, yes, they should. And more accountability can help make a capitalistic society work a little better. If you're in a position of power, if you're making gobs of money, you deserve to be held accountable for what you're involved in. Right. I know you agree. We're just talking to the listeners. Right. I couldn't see Cole Chamber doing something like this. If they were influencers. If only. Which it, they are. I wish anyone in this movie had the integrity of Cole Chamber. You know, I mean, you wouldn't see like them like in Target uniforms on the cover of their album. You know what the Fire Festival needed? Female bass players. I think that would have saved it. You know, maybe so. Truly. Are you excited to listen to Half a Corn? I guess I am. Stuart, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale or in a celebrity influencer, Instagram influencer rating scale, anything like that. Mm -hmm. We rate it in a Herzog mm -hmm. rating scale. A Herzogian scale. Let's start with the Hulu one, Fire Fraud, by, by Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason. Are you sure? I thought it was Steven Spielberg. No, G Steven Spielberg was not involved. Right. Fire fraud. How many hurt socks would you give the Hulu fi Hulu's fire fraud? You know, I think it's the better of the two. Yeah, I got to be honest. It's got issues, but I kind of agree in terms of overall structure and what it left in. So, what are we? What's our scale? Five. One through five. Uh, I'm gonna give it me four. Four. Okay. Wow, you that was higher than I thought you would go. Uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. If you're gonna watch one. Watch the Hulu one. I'd watch the Hulu one. And that's really what I'm trying to say. I mean, I love Chris Smith. We do. coming from a guy that really wanted to be forgiving to, to a Netflix documentary. To us, he's royalty. I told you. I was come, I was going to come with bias. Yeah. And that I really like Chris Smith. So yeah. I'm going to be really forgiving. I think the but fact if, that we like him so much, maybe... Maybe that held the, the yeah. standard higher, too. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your So you what's give it four. I'm going to give Fire Fraud, uh, uh, what I call a Herzog average, three. Because... Talked about the, the the hokey scene cuts with like stock footage. I didn't like that. The editing the editing of the Netflix one is better, and this one was a little more generic. But the overall structure of the story and what it had in it was a very informative. And I know we can pick and choose little things, but overall, I think the Hulu one, you're right, does have the edge over the Netflix one in terms of information. So that gives it seven out of ten Herzogs for the Hulu Fire Fraud by Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason. How many Herzogs would you give the Chris Smith Netflix one fire? Uh, I'm going to have to give it a lot less. It just, I just saw right through it. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way, huh? It kind of like, 
seemed like an apology tour of a documentary. It's like, what are we doing here? It did, and once you knew the bias going in that that they were involved with the advertising company, mm-hmm. you could really see the narrative they were trying to push, and it did didn't didn't work for me. I agree. So I'm gonna say two two Herzogs. I think the Jerry Media thing is a very egregious thing to leave out. Feels purposely misleading. It's a better edited documentary. You can tell that Chris Smith and his editing team have a real talent with putting together a documentary. It's better edited than the uh, Hulu one, I think. Yeah. And there was a few extra behind-the-scene things, the things with the Freddie Tibble thing. That was interesting. Right. The revealing moments in the Netflix documentary were not punctuated, but they were left in. So you almost feel like there was an agenda that maybe Chris Smith didn't really have control over. Yeah. Even so. maybe uh, Absolutely. When you realize that Vice, Vice and Jerry Media, and Jerry Media were producing are it. Pushing it, yeah. You're right. He probably doesn't have that much direct control. But he left these little kernels in there. And it's like, huh, what did they just say there? <laughs> yeah, you, if you know how to look for it, you can kind of see it. But I think watching the Hulu one and then watching this one, it stands out a lot more. That's why it I makes re- it crystal, yeah. That's why I recommend people watch both. That would be interesting. Personally. It would be interesting to, to think how we would have reacted if we did this in reverse. Despite, yeah, true. You know? Despite the better editing, despite the some of the unique behind-the-scenes footage, I mentioned that I like how the Netflix one focused a little more on the workers than the Hulu one, even though the Hulu one does touch base on it. That whole Jerry Media corporate minute that you can see that background fucking game, it's incredibly egregious. So I agree with you. I think it's only a two out of five Herzog. And that brings it, I can't believe I'm saying that. I, I never would have thought a Chris Smith movie would go under seven. But okay. there's a little bit of lying in there. Four out of ten. I mean, songs. I, you heard me right at the beginning of the movie because it's yeah. a paycheck movie for him, I think. Uh, yeah, and we can understand that. I mean, he's probably now in good with Netflix, and yeah, maybe his next thing with them will be. Jim and Andy worked out well, so they're like, "Hey, buddy, uh, Vice over here and uh, Jerry Media. Oh, fuck Jerry. They uh, they want you to do something else over here. But it, <laughs> but it's just a." Sh- it's just a shill movie that is under control of a corporation that is complicit in the fraud of the fire festival. You ain't getting that one by the documenteers. Uh-uh, sucka. Sorry, Chris. I'm sure your next movie, we will probably watch it. Because, look, American movie, I could watch that movie right now and like laugh <laughs> like I'm watching it for the first time. But this one... Bro, we're going to skip this one. We're not going to do this on the second You know, time. even Spielberg got a few duds. He's got more than a few. So, yeah. Um, seven out of ten for Fire Fraud. I mean, that can't all be Forrest Grump. Four out of ten for Fire. And that's that. That's that, you know. So, that means Fire Fraud by Jennifer First and Julia Willoughby Nason. It's got its problems. We decided that it's better than the Netflix Yep. One. So, you know what that means, folks? Boycott Netflix. <laughs> We're asking you to boycott and divest from Netflix. Cancel your account. Uh, if you're a documentary subscriber, unsubscribe from Look, Netflix. It's, it's a complicated. I have a Netflix subscription. I, I think you do too. Yeah, I'm getting rid of it tonight. You're getting rid of it tonight. We might rely on Netflix a little too much for this show. Look, folks, make your own decisions. Look, about I know it. Hulu's got annoying ads every two seconds. 
Not if you pay for like it. more ads than YouTube has, which is free <laughs> and worse ads. But at least they ain't lying to you like Netflix. Lie flicks. Lie flicks. Net lies. More like net lies. More like, oh, I should have really paid attention during that movie, The Net. And then thought about how it connects to this. this. Like the Sandra Bullock movie from like 99. I'm going to rewatch that tonight after I cancel Netflix and I'll probably get it from Amazon prime or something. But, uh, I recall that movie being good, but I haven't seen it since it came out. I might just watch the Pelican brief. Do you remember the Charlie Sheen arrival, the alien movie? Mm -hmm. That was good. Yeah. I don't know about this new arrival. Everyone's talking about. (laughs) You got to watch the Charlie Sheen arrival. Yeah, well, everyone watched the Charlie. This is what we really want to promote in this episode. Everyone go watch the Charlie Sheen arrival movie from the 90s. In fact, our next episode, we're going to compare the two arrivals. Arrival versus arrival. We're going to stop watching documentaries. <laughs> you stop making announcements <laughs> we haven't discussed on this show. Oh, sorry. All right, we should go. That's fire versus fire fraud. Fire fraud wins in our eyes y'all oh check out y'all gotta check out uh cc's beyond pizza (laughs) exclusively the best restaurant in nashville yeah most exclusive that is our sponsor as well in madison tennessee yeah you guys uh my god if y'all are from if y'all aren't from here google madison tennessee and see see the decadence most exclusive all right folks that's it that's our first two and one I, I want to fight more documentaries in the future. You got it. All right. Keep on docking, baby. Ooh. Stay exclusive. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They're covering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do do a lot of covers. Doo-doo. <laughs> doo-doo. I know who's just doo-dooing. It's me. <laughs> Who's it by? Who made the documentary? Who made this freaking thing? Well, I guess this is growing.